BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Okay, who's ready to set some boundaries? Am I right? Boundary setting is the hot topic these days. But you might be thinking, okay, how do I set boundaries? What even is a boundary? Are they invisible? Can you see them? What do I do if the person doesn't understand my boundary? Look, all great questions and all things we're going to get answers to and more on today's episode. Joining us and to give us all the information is probably one of the coolest psychologists ever. Her name is Dr. Vanita Sandhu. Now, Dr. Sandhu is the head of emotional fitness at COA. If you have not heard of COA, I highly recommend you check it out. It's endorsed by Kevin Love. It's amazing. You can go to joincoa.com, C-O-A. And basically, COA is a home for therapy, emotional fitness classes, and community. Basically, the way you train your physical fitness to be its best, COA is training people's emotional fitness. And guess what? Our guest today, Dr. Sandhu, is the head of emotional fitness. Through her background in clinical psychology and facilitation, she has an engaging down-to-earth approach in helping people prioritize mental health and better understand their emotions. She has over 10 years of experience as a clinical psychologist, facilitator, educator, and public speaker. Dr. Sandhu has worked with the teams at Lyft, Yelp, Twitter, Reddit, Dropbox, and Slack. I mean, these companies bring her in to help their managers and executives develop core leadership skills. She's fantastic. And she's so cool. She's literally so cool. 
So we're about to dive into this episode. Get ready. It's great. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to Chloe. Hi, Chloe. She left a review that said, love this podcast. I've been a fan of Victoria's for a while, but just started listening to the podcast. And oh my goodness, it is amazing. I've learned so much from it already. And I'm so excited to see what else she brings to the show. Chloe, I'm so glad you ventured over to the podcast world. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you went above and beyond to leave this review. So thank you. It really helps out the show. For any of you who've been listening to RealPod, maybe you're a new time listener, old time listener, I so appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to spend it here with me. If you want to give me feedback, you can head over to iTunes where you can leave a rating and a review and you just may be the shout out on next week's episode. Or if you're listening on Spotify, there's a little star button. Just hit the stars, preferably five. It means a lot. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so you get that automatic download every single Wednesday. And without further ado, let's dive in to this episode on boundaries with Dr. Vanita Sandhu. Dr. Sandhu, thanks so much for coming on RealPod. This is a conversation that I've been dying to have. And I feel like one that everyone talks about, set boundaries, set boundaries, but we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah, it's like a sexy word to use. Like self-care is the sexy word to use, setting boundaries. But I mean, hey, I'm happy to clarify as much as I can today on what the hell we mean by setting boundaries. Great. I'm hyped for that. Before we dive in, how are you? How are we today? Setting all the boundaries, if that... (laughs) (laughs) Really? Were you setting boundaries today? Like three, at least before we jumped on this interview today. Wait, please do tell the nitty gritty examples we need. Oh, okay. Let's get into it. Well, I'm a new mom. So I have a four and a half month old at home. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, but... Oh, whoa. What that means is I got to learn how to set boundaries with time, with energy, with workload. So I've been, as I've transitioned back to the work world, setting boundaries on my availability and setting boundaries on how much energy I can put into something currently, which I have to say is really hard because I've been comparing myself to my pre-parent Vanita which turns out it's different. So I think a lot of us do that. We compare ourselves to an earlier version of ourselves and we're thinking, oh man, why am I not? Whatever it is. So set boundaries around that. So a lot of it's around workload and honestly, boundaries with myself. I have been consuming way too much social media lately. There's a lot going on in the world currently. And I've decided that I need to stop with the doom scrolling where Do I really need to be following 10 different news outlets in terms of these accounts? Probably not. And I don't think it's great for mental health, nor is it great first thing in the morning to be jumping on. (laughs) So I'm trying to not only set boundaries with others, but also with myself. I didn't even know that there was a big difference between personal boundaries and then boundaries with others until getting ready for this conversation and thinking about whoa, yeah, there are habits that I have that aren't healthy. And like the other part of my conscious needs to recognize that and then kind of map out a healthier plan. Yeah, What what boundaries have you been thinking about setting? Well, the phone in the morning is a big thing that I struggle with. I literally wake up and I grab my phone and I am scrolling it. I mean, that is every 
morning. I start working. I will, this morning I worked for the first hour from bed in my pajamas because I opened my phone. I checked content to see how it was performing. I opened my emails. I might send a few. I might send some texts. And then it's like nine o'clock, which by the way, my alarm goes off around seven and I'm just getting out of bed. And then the other day when I really realized that this was unhealthy, I saw a negative comment that really rubbed me the wrong way from bed in the morning. And it just, it ruined my whole day. I just wasn't emotionally ready to be like receiving on the receiving end. And that was my big wake up call of if I just got up, took some deep breaths, brushed my teeth, sat down at my desk, this would have just rolled off my back, this comment. But because I read it literally half awake, I was just so susceptible to pain. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you brought the word pain. Let me just say that a lot of the times we set boundaries, it's to protect ourselves from pain, from suffering, from feeling like we are letting down others, right? Like my guess is when you read a negative comment, there's this question of, does this person not like me? There's a comment of, do they possibly not see me in the way that I want to be seen? And I don't know about you, Victoria, but I, I really want people to like me. Oh, yes, of course. It's the easy thing for me to sit here and be like, oh, I want everyone to like me. I will say that was maybe a version of me a year or two years ago. I've really gotten better with understanding that I don't like everyone. So not everyone will like me. And with understanding that I don't have to be understood by everyone and that they might not know my intentions. They might not know what I really meant. They might not know who I really am. And that's fine. I don't have to go knock on a million doors to get that approval. Well, there are you just listed probably 10 boundaries that are going to be set there or that you want to be set. I mean, one is phone use, right? When do I want to actually open up my phone? How much time am I willing to put on it? Where am I physically going to be in my environment? Right? Do I want it to be in bed? Do I want to associate being in bed, lounging in bed with being on the phone? Or do I want to set a, an actual hard physical boundary that way? How much time do I want to spend? Is this great for my emotional well-being? When do I want to review the comments? Right. The time of day. I don't know about you, but last thing at night or first thing in the morning, probably for me, not the best time to be reviewing those comments. So is there a certain time of day I want to block it? So I want to give myself a half hour, go through it, read it all and have it be done. So you honestly have just listed several boundaries that maybe you've intentionally thought about. Maybe you haven't. But that's what's so tricky about boundaries is that just when you think you've set one. there's another one now that needs to be set. So how would you actually define boundaries? Is it as simple as like telling people how you want to be treated? Is it deeper than that? Oh, it's always deeper. There's (laughs) always some deep deep stuff there. I I like to think about boundaries as an agreement that we have with ourselves. Agreement about what's okay and what's not okay for us. What's okay and could that could mean what makes me feel safe, what makes me feel secure in a relationship, for example. So there's the boundaries, of course, that we set with others, but then the ones that we mentioned that we also set with ourselves. So the thing that's hard, though, about boundaries is we often don't know that we needed to set the boundary until it's been violated. And we go, oh, shit, probably needed to have expressed my needs to this person or I didn't realize that I needed X. I didn't realize that I needed an hour in the morning to myself before I opened up my phone until I felt like shit for the rest of the day. 
So that's what makes, I, I think, boundaries really hard to set. A couple of things that makes them really hard to set is if you're somebody who is a people pleaser or wants to please people, I'm a recovering people pleaser, as I call myself, <laughs> that makes it really, really hard. And the other piece that we already talked about is just wanting people to like us. And that's not ever going to go away, at least for myself. So that's going to be a constant challenge to work against when needing to set boundaries. Something to add on this human desire to have everyone like us is that I want to share this anecdote that Dr. Michael Gervais, who's a performance psychologist, shared with me, and I think about it all the time, is to have some compassion for where that comes from. And and he was saying there's not totally a ton of evidence to support this, but one could speculate that back when we were like apes in the Stone Age, you had to think, am I fitting in with the tribe? Am I someone that when I wake up in the morning, they're going to wake me up and they're going to take me with them? Are they going to like ration food for me? Am I going to survive? And to survive, you needed community. You needed people around you. And so sometimes when I do think about that, you know, those very internal like fight or flight survival instincts that we have as humans, I'm like, okay, Victoria, you're not this crazy person who can't just simply be okay with people not liking you. It, like you said, it's deeper than that. And so I just share that because that allowed me to have a bit more compassion with where that desire came from. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it comes down to, I want to feel safe. I want to feel like I'm good. And then I'm a go-to person and I want to feel a sense of belonging. We talk a lot about that in the, some of the classes that I'm, that I'm teaching and what our instructors teach as well, which is safe, good, and belong. Ultimately, we all want all three of those. And when one of them feels like it's threatened, we go into protection mode. And one of those protectors is a boundary that we can set. How does that sit with you? It sits well. And I actually, I'm a big fan of just like, let's freaking talk about it. Hence the show Real Pod. So throughout this episode, if I have prepared some boundaries I've set in my life as a concrete examples for us to dissect, because I think it's one thing to say, if someone has a parent who blah, blah, like I will give you the examples, I'll give you the tea, like we can, we can dish this out because it's never really good when you hear these conversations and they never just like get to the, like say what the freaking issue is. So yes. Or just like, tell me what to say. Tell me what this looks like. Because I'm also aware, Victoria, that you were in the middle of wedding planning. Oh, yes. Let me just tell you, there's no greater time to start learning and exercising those setting boundary muscles than when one is wedding planning. Now, while I've already shamelessly admitted to checking my phone first thing in the morning, you know what I do second thing in the morning? It's drink my athletic greens. Athletic Greens is a greens powder and you mix it with water and you mix one scoop. And look, in just this one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and just all the things. I personally love Athletic Greens because I don't like to pay too much attention to like the food that I'm eating in the sense of macros and nutrients and vegetables versus protein versus carbs. Like as an intuitive eater, I just want to be able to kind of listen to my body and not be so bogged down with the nitty gritty. Athletic Greens is not like other green juices that is trying to get you to change yourself or anything like that. No, no, no. Athletic Greens is in addition to your lifestyle. You don't have to change your body. You don't have to change how you eat. 
It's just in addition. And I love that about Athletic Greens. Now look, right now it is time to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash realpod. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash realpod to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm so excited to introduce a new sponsor of the podcast today, Booty by Braybands. Now look, if there's one thing I think we can all agree on, it's that we can never have enough good quality leggings. That's why I'm so excited Booty by Braybands is a sponsor because they're a company that is changing the legging game with their signature material and also their inclusive approach. Booty by Braybands was founded to create the perfect universal pair of leggings that every woman in the world would want to wear. And these one size Booty by Braybands workout leggings are everywhere, seen on women of all shapes, sizes, and ages. It's incredible. It's like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but leggings. You know the deal? And also, look, as an athlete, I've done a lot of workouts in leggings and they fall down, right? It's like you're doing the squats, you're on the bike, and it's like, halfway down your butt and you're trying to pull it up, right? We all know the deal. What I love about Booty by Braybands is that not only do they look great, but they do not move. So if you're someone who, like me, hates having to pull up your leggings mid-workout, you will be obsessed by Booty by Braybands because these leggings do not do that. Also, they have a signature Croco skin material, which is a must try. It's that one that you see everywhere. It makes everyone's booty look amazing. And the second you put these uniquely textured high-waisted leggings on, you experience a whole new level of comfort and confidence. And you know what? Guess what's the best part? They are durable and designed to last you a lifetime. You guys, these leggings are worth the investment and you can shop now for 15% off, 15% off high quality leggings. That's a steal. Use code REALPOD at bootybybraybands.com. Shipping is fast, so order today and you're guaranteed to have them by your weekend workouts. Oh my God, that's amazing. Go to bootybybraybands.com, spelt booty by B-R-A-B-A-N-T-S.com and follow at bootybybraybands on Instagram and shop online now for 15% off using our exclusive code REALPOD at bootybybraybands.com. So where do we even begin? (laughs) We can start with some hard examples, ones that you've been through. I'm curious if you felt like you said it the way that you wanted to and what, and I'm happy to share, of course, what can be really helpful in those situations. Okay, perfect. So I think with the pandemic, everyone felt claustrophobic with their living mates or whoever they're staying with. And mine was my family. And I have two brothers, two parents, and all of us have significant others. So everything that we did, it was what we started to call the quarantine. Our group chat was literally like quarantine, but it was like every single day we had to have every meal together. Like every night was a quarantine dinner and everyone's working from home. And it felt like I was a pest to say, I just want to be in my room tonight and I'm not coming to socialize. Like I felt like you're being so dramatic. We're all having fun out here. What a buzzkill. Like you need to be by yourself. I mean, that's a loose example. I will say 
that I'm not perfect. I, I think that I was also like not in a great place and my delivery was probably more sassy, more I'm annoyed with you people, not as kind as it could have been. So for any family members listening, I want to paint the full picture. <laughs> you're apologizing right now. I see you. I see what you're doing. I, I actually, this is a great example because family can often be some of the hardest people to set boundaries with. Family also does, a, they're great at guilt tripping. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're pulling at your heartstrings. We're emotionally invested often with our family members. So there's, there's sort of a three-part consideration here when thinking about family. One is just starting off with saying, I'm not able to. I can't, I won't, X, Y, Z. This is the, sometimes the hardest part because it's really just, you're saying no. You're starting off by saying no. Now you could just say that, not able to join for dinner tonight. What's so hard about that though, Victoria? Tell me what feels hard about that. It is so freaking hard because there's like the, the why. Well, why can't you join us for dinner? <laughs> That's exactly it. And you know, deep down, of course, it's sweet because it's, we want time with Victoria And that's what often makes us feel guilty is because we know it's coming from a really great place. And with family in particular, that's where the because can be helpful. So sharing like, I can't join for dinner today because I'm feeling really stretched. I'm feeling exhausted. And the because is a really important part of setting boundaries with family. I always like to share, there's a study that was done in the late seventies by this psychologist, Ella Monger. And it really highlighted why the word because is so influential. So keep in mind, y'all, this is late 70s because it took place on a college campus with photocopiers, Xerox machines. Who even used it? I don't even know the last time I used one of those things. But what they did was they shut down all the photocopiers on campus except for one, which then naturally a long line formed. And they wanted to see what would you have to say to somebody waiting in line in order to successfully cut in line? So somebody would say, hey, I need to, I need to make copies. Hey, can I cut in line? But the moment that somebody would say, hey, can I cut in line because I'm in a rush? Over 90% of people waiting in line allowed that person to cut just by the fact that they included the because and the why. And the reason why I'm sharing this is if we know our family's already going to be asking about the, the why, get ahead of it and share the because right away. I can't because I'm feeling exhausted. And then the third component, so the one saying no, the two, the because, and the last and third one is giving them an alternative, right? The need that they're having in this situation is they want to connect with you, Victoria. They're part of the quarantine. You're a part of it. Not matching sweatsuits. We just want to connect here. And so the, the alternative might be let's connect tomorrow when maybe I'm more rested. Okay, great, because that's really just what they're probably needing. The other thing, though, Victoria, that you highlight is you needed to know what you needed. Whoa, tonight I need rest. I am feeling stretched. If you don't know your needs, it's incredibly difficult to then set the boundary. And likely you're in a situation where you're not going to know you need that boundary until it was violated. And that's something that can be hard for people to dissect and really figure out what they need. Because I think we can all think of times we've gotten upset with someone or said, you want them to do X, Y, but that's really not what you want. You actually want them to say, 
I love you and I want to be with you forever. Or you want them to say, I'm so sorry for that thing I did five years ago. It's not really about you being late today. So how does someone actually on their own figure out what the need is? Yeah, that's such a great question. Here's what I'll say about needs. It can be tough to know what we need, but I love to share that feelings point to our needs. How we're feeling is information about what we need. What that means, though, is we've got to figure out, how am I actually feeling? Am I feeling exhausted? Am I feeling alone? And once we know that feeling, that'll help us then figure out, oh, gosh, okay, if I'm feeling alone, I need connection. Or if I'm feeling like someone's just really not giving me the time of day, I think I need attention. So it's hard sometimes to find the language around the need, but once you let yourself just pause and slow down and feel your feels, once you've got that, that's information that we need to process in order for us to communicate our need. Once we figure out what's going on with us feelings-wise, that can help us make sense of what our needs are. What about the disconnect generationally between people who just are never going to understand. They're just older than you. Like if I think about my sweet Yaya, who I love and love and love and just cannot process the fact that I do not want even a compliment about my body. I mean, it's just not the way she grew up. Like it's almost at this point funny because she follows every Instagram post. She's the most supportive. I mean, she's read everything I've ever written and it still doesn't compute. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you got a number one cheerleader in your corner. I do. Sure. She's, she's the best Yaya ever. And that is her username. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Oh, my God. Clearly sounds like somebody we all need to meet. Well, I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, knowing that she makes comments on your body, let's say, what do you think she's needing by making comments about your body? Hmm. What does she need? My gut instinct is she doesn't need anything. She just thinks women are supposed to look beautiful and thin. And she like kept the house her entire life. Like I just think for her, that's just how she communicates. So maybe to her, she thinks, ooh, maybe for her, that's just how she thinks she can connect with me in conversation because it's how she's connected with women. (laughs) Victoria, I would guess that you're probably onto something here. I'm having, my mind is blown. Poor Yaya's just been trying to connect with me and I've been telling her to stop. I'm so sad now. Oh no. Okay, well, we know what phone call you're going to make as soon as we're done chatting here. Oh my gosh. Because, I mean, this is, of course, we don't know unless you ask her, but there might in fact be, this might be the way that she learned to connect. And there are generational differences on how we want to connect in an intimate relationship how we want to connect with friends. There's gender differences around this. And so if Yaya's just been trying to connect and this is her need, and this is just the way she knows how to, that's likely a need you can understand and you can get on the same plane. And so now it's just a matter of thinking of the alternative, which is, okay, how else can I have Yaya feel connected to me without feeling like she needs to make a comment on my body? What are other ways that make you feel more comfortable that you could connect with her? See, it's interesting because thinking about it even more, we do connect a lot. We can talk about everything. I mean, she has an Instagram for crying out loud and she's in her 80s. Like she's super with it. 
we text, we FaceTime. I feel very, very close to her. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Well, with the connection, the idea here is how we've seen other people role model what it means to connect, or maybe she's connected with other women that way before. And it's been reinforced where someone goes, oh, thank you. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just got a compliment. And you see a smile on someone that just probably reinforces, Hey, this works. This is a great way to connect. I also think too, this is something that I feel like does track. Not only is it maybe her trying to connect, but it's her trying to like give me praise and and make me feel good. And I think the way that she's felt good her whole life has been, oh, if you're thin or you're a great cook or you're like, those are the things that she grew up on as that was a successful, proper lady. And so she thinks she's showing me admiration and affection and praise. That's the intent, right? But the verbiage that didn't compute for me before. Wow. This is great. <laughs> Well, no, what I, what I think you're, I like, um, shout outs to Yaya, who is just trying to make you feel really great and compliment you, is the idea that once we figure out somebody's needs, and there are some universal needs, right? We already talked about one where we, just, we all want to be like, there are some needs that we all have. Once we can figure out what might that person be needing, even though it might come across in a way that really rubs us the wrong way, or we just go, oof, that is not how I would do things. Once we start to sort of figure out, this this takes some empathy, right? To really get into their shoes. We're trying to now think about what are the ways Yaya grew up and what might she have received? So it takes a moment of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Once we look at these needs, we might be able then to sort of figure out how can we partner up? How can I communicate my needs? Because if I communicate my needs to you, Victoria, it opens the door for you now to communicate them to me. And that's what I love about boundary setting is once I hear somebody set their boundaries, I then go, oh, wow. I've never thought about what time of day I'm opening up my phone and if it's in bed or not, maybe I need to be communicating some needs around boundaries. And it opens up the ability for us to communicate in a relationship about it. I'm so happy the conversation has taken us this way because boundary setting does get a bad rap it does get a selfish rap. It gets a very, this is how I want things and the people around me better listen. At least I feel like that's how I sometimes receive it from society. That's how the people I know in my life who are so turned off to the word boundaries, it's because they very much view it selfishly. And so I like the way that we've kind of come to this point where we're kind of discussing, it really is just a confession of what you need. And not necessarily a way to create walls and block people out from your life. I, I love that you mentioned that because you're right. Boundaries get a really bad rap. And I, I, I have a feeling it's because it hasn't been role modeled very well for us. I mean, watch any movie or TV, watch any reality TV show of people throwing things at each other and getting in arguments. And right away you realize, yeah, this is maybe not being modeled for us in a really great way. If I communicated healthy boundaries, it's not going to make for a sexy television show. Let me just tell you right now, it's going to be like the most warm conversation and nobody's going to want to watch it. So because it hasn't been modeled for us well in in society, how else are we supposed to learn what healthy boundaries are or what they sound like? So fair enough. I do think it gets a really bad rep. 
The other piece though I will offer around here is when we don't set boundaries, that's when some not great feelings can fester like resentment or anger or frustration. And I don't know about you if you've ever had to sit with resentment. It is an awful feeling to have to sit with and might be worth trying and risking to set a healthy boundary rather than having this feeling of resentment fester, which by the way, is a great way to ruin any great relationship is the moment somebody starts feeling resentment towards the other person. Yeah. I'm just, I'm having one of those moments where I'm, I really feel like I'm understanding more what boundaries are. And I'm thinking back on like all these conversations or these things I've asked, even in like my relationship with Max, where it is a boundary, but I would have never viewed it that way because I don't ever want to feel like I'm putting up a wall that Max can't pass through. And that's often how boundaries seem when really, when I I say to him, I need you to never, ever comment on how I eat or what I eat. Like, I just need that in this relationship. If we have a big dinner and I come home and I pull out chips and I want to eat them, like I want to do that. And I, because that keeps me from the desire to binge is knowing I can eat whenever I want. And I know it might look weird. And I, I, we just ate this big dinner and now I'm having a handful of Doritos. But if I was afraid to have the Doritos, then that would create a whole other spiral. So for me, it's like that I wouldn't even do that as I created a wall for him. It's explaining how he can help me create a space that I feel safest in. Which like, what a lovely way to invest in your relationship. When you are telling a partner, here's how you can invest in my relationship, help set this safer space for me. You are literally telling Max how he can support you and be a great partner. And when it's someone that you're invested in, who wouldn't want to do that? So what is a good framework for quote unquote, setting boundaries? Is it what you mentioned in the beginning, the assertion, then the because, and then explaining for, is that, does that go for everything? I would say it doesn't go for everything, but it is one approach that can work really well. The reason why I say it doesn't go for everything, and I want to make sure I mention this, is there are some clear boundary violations where no because needs to happen. You do not have the responsibility, nor do you need to share the the because. So if you feel like someone is invading your space, if there's a violation of your physical boundary or physical body, if there is shaming that's happening, manipulating, forget about it. You actually don't owe that person any kind of because. The the context that we were talking about was when it's with family and and often it feels safer to offer the because, Mm -hmm. but I want to share that it can, setting a boundary can sound like this. You ready? ready. No, just set a boundary right there. Damn it. I know that feels so hard to do and to just say like that, because often I would say, especially gender wise with women, there's this pull to say, sorry, 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 sorry. I can't do this. There's this apologetic nature that it starts to take. And with setting boundaries, when we think about sort of the, the framework to set it, it could be, I can't actually do this, or I, I appreciate you thinking of me for this. I'm juggling multiple things right now. I can't, I won't. I'd prefer not to. There are lots of different ways. If, if saying no in its form, like the two letters I just put it feels really daunting. There are other ways that we can do so. And back to thinking about your example with Max, if it's an, a relationship you're invested in, if it's a friend, if it's a coworker, if it's a peer of some, the because often feels really helpful because then they get to learn, oh, wow, okay, Victoria's feeling really stretched or 
oh, wow, that actually makes the story feel really uncomfortable. That's helpful for me to know as a loved one. And then you can share an example. So we go back to your family example. It's can't come to dinner tonight. I'm feeling stretched. How can we stay connected? Or how would you like to connect later on? You're giving them an option. You're giving them an alternative. You're not fully closing that door of, nope, no dinner tonight and just peacing out. When you offer that question of, how would you like to connect later this week? I'm still seeing them and validating that I get it. I hear that you're wanting to connect and I don't want to dismiss that, but I'm also setting my boundary of right now is not the time. Taking a quick break to tell you about a new health show presented by CVS Health called Healthy Conversations. On Healthy Conversations, listeners will receive expert insight into the challenges and trends transforming health from cancer treatment, lumpectomy, radiation therapy, you know, five years of tamoxifen. That was done to prevent five-year and 10-year recurrences, even though the likelihood of recurrence for someone with early-stage breast cancer was really small. But we couldn't find the needle in the haystack. Everybody gets the same treatment for the 5% of people for whom they might recur. To advances in genetics. We need to dispel some myths. Myths such as your genes determine your health. And there's nothing you can do about it if you have a certain genetic background. This is not true in the vast majority of cases. And to the bright future of healthcare. It's a real time for innovation to reset and reimagine healthcare from intermittent reactive sick care to a future that's continuous, proactive, anytime, anywhere, bringing us better outcomes at lower costs and bringing better health equity all around the planet. Hosted by Dr. Daniel Kraft, a Stanford and Harvard-trained physician scientist, inventor, and entrepreneur, this show presented by CVS Health, a leading healthcare innovation company, Healthy Conversations, will introduce accomplished leaders and visionaries working to transform health systems. Healthy Conversations releases audio and video episodes. Subscribe, listen, and enjoy today wherever you find your podcasts. I love what you were saying about not giving an explanation for everything. I think it's so true. You don't have to always explain yourself. And yes, actually, I had it in my notes here to talk about the way women especially feel this desire to please, to serve, to accommodate. And I am so guilty of the, I'm so sorry, or like being overly nice. However, I will say this, I almost feel like what's the line of, and this is a completely separate note, but related, of actually just being a rude person. Like for example, my friend asked me if I could go shopping with them this weekend and I don't have the time, which if I do a quick pause there, Max hates the phrase, I don't have time because he believes that's not true. We all do have time. I don't want to allot my time this way. Like he, he, he likes to communicate it differently because that is the truth. And I actually like that he says that that's just not where I want to put it. I don't have a day to go shopping. I've got too much else that I need to do. So in that situation, it's like, I feel like I have to acknowledge the fact that this person's trying to shop for a very important event that they have and that they thought of me and they want my opinion for the outfit. And so I can't just say this quote unquote boundary line of I won't be there. So how do you go about setting boundaries in your life and protecting your personal space without completely isolating yourself from everyone else? Oh man, that's such a great question because I will say that when it's the situation of your friend wanting to go shopping in this friendship, you want to keep the relationship going. You want to still strengthen it. 
our intention in these relationships that we're investing is, is rarely to, to come across as rude. So sort of back to that whole intention versus impact piece of, I don't want it to come off this way, even though it might. What you're recognizing and what you just said though is, hey, this shopping trip is probably gonna be work for me. Like they're gonna want my thoughts on things. They're gonna, it's gonna not be a whole lot self, a whole lot of self-serving time or things that I get out of it. So the idea of not coming across as a rude person goes back to this idea of communicating your needs and asking them what they need. If I come across as rude, it's likely because I'm not so invested, either I'm not so invested in this relationship or I'm, it's just, I'm in a bad space. Like you shared earlier where you can make, maybe come across a little sassy to your family. If we're tired, if we're hungry, if it's 10 PM for me, like my partner knows not to have any serious conversation with me after 9 PM because they're going to get a really sassy version <laughs> of me. The time and place makes a difference. And, and so when we think about what it means to come across as rude, it's can we push the pause button for just a second before I set this boundary, what might this person be needing and what am I needing? So if I really am just needing to say, that's it, no, I can't do it, but it's a friendship I'm invested in, I might be willing to say, hey, you know what? Not today and not this weekend, it won't work for me. Let's connect next week. You just put it off, put off the connection until next week, or let's route back to this. Let's circle back to this at a particular point, which is in the workplace, people love circling back. That's like the go-to mm -hmm. saying here. But so all of this to say that when we come across as rude or when people perceive us as rude, it's because people don't feel like they've been heard. They don't feel like they've been seen. And so to feel like we're dismissed, we might perceive somebody as, as being rude to us. The other point I want to mention though, around this Victoria is the gender piece. Women are more likely to be perceived as rude mm -hmm. when they set a boundary. Mm -hmm. And this is thanks to, oh man, so many systems and structures at place, hello patriarchy, of what the expectation is of how we should be presenting ourselves as women. So I want to mention this because you might have set a boundary in an excellent way, in a very healthy way. And you might still be perceived as rude. Not even rude. Let's be real. A bitch. A bitch. That's exactly it. A bitch. And the question for us, particularly as women, is are we okay with that? Am I okay knowing that I set a healthy boundary and I might still be seen as a bitch? And I got to tell you, the moment you're okay with that, whew, it is so freeing. <laughs> oh, I'm just now the man by Taylor Swift is playing rent free in my head. As it does every single day, I sit down to work. I freaking love that song. <laughs> so, what? are you okay with is someone perceiving you in that, like, like, like truly as rude or as a bitch? No. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. That was that, that was, was the, the weirdest no I've ever uttered. A, but like, yeah, that was. <laughs> I was just like I, I said it as I was like upset with myself for not being able to say yes confidently. I want everyone, I don't even need everyone to like me, but I do want everyone to think that I'm a nice person. That's my toxic trait. Got it. And so, so my guess is you get like really honestly many DMs per day and there is no way resource-wise, energy-wise, time-wise that you can get to all of them mm -hmm. and that you can respond to everything. And so I'm, I'm curious, how do you, how do you sit with that knowing that not everyone's going to get a response? And I'll be completely honest because it's real pod. 
over time, I have been able to really not emotionally like allow myself to be present with all those messages in a way that's given me the ability to like, quote unquote, turn it off and not feel bad for not responding. You know, when I first started doing all this, I gave a TED talk and I got all these messages by all these messages. I meant like maybe like a hundred. And I, and I did have the time because they were coming in at different times. I could go through all of them, read these heartfelt letters. You changed my life. This helped me here. Now you are right. It's, it is too many. I, I actually physically don't have the ability to answer all of them. And it is tough. It is tough. And it's tough when you accidentally open one and you see it's this long and I'm about to hop in the car and I was looking for a different DM and I'm like, I just can't process this. And also I was listening to Allie Raisman on Armchair Expert and she was saying how she'll have survivors just come up to her and start to talk about their, like their experience with assault. And she's in the grocery store. Like that's triggering for me. And I was not prepared for you to just unload that. And I do think I create this environment where I am getting all the eating disorder stories, all the suicidal ideation, all of like, all of that is coming to me with no, I very rarely have someone say, can I share with you like my experience with binge eating or anorexia? Like I, I rarely ever get someone asking permission to like trauma dump. So that's hard for me too. And as a result, I've literally had to just be like, turn it off. I pretend I didn't see this message, go to the other one. And, and I feel, I feel like a bitch saying that I feel like I'm breaking a fan's heart. Who's listening to real pod thinking, was that my message? And she never responded. So it's very, very, very hard. And yeah, those instances, I feel like a horrible human, but then I also have to not let myself feel like a horrible human because that's not fair to me. Well, that's, I mean, I love, I appreciate you showing that and being so real in this way, because honestly, there is a lot of pressure, but what you are literally talking out loud is a boundary you've set. At some point, you know that for your own time and energy, but you know, with the trauma dump, for your own emotional well being, you know, to read DM after DM, that's, and I'm guessing you rarely get, like, let me share with you a great win, Victoria. Let me share with you this really great thing that's going on in I'm my sorry, life. I'm sorry, I just audibly laughed. Nope, it's usually the opposite, which I'm, which I love that that's the community I've created. I want people to feel okay, you know, pulling back that curtain. But yeah, no, you're right. Correct. It's rarely the win. Rarely the win. Really the, like, can you celebrate with me in this thing? And, and again, just sort of asking for empathy from anyone for any listeners and and your community, because the idea here is in order for you, Victoria, to give your best and to be the support and the go-to person that you want to be and that folks want you to be, you've got to set this boundary. Imagine what your, your stories would be, your posts would be if you allowed yourself to have that boundary violated every day and you were exhausted and you were honestly depressed from hearing all of these traumatizing stories, you would just no way be the person that, that you want to be. Truly. And depressed is an accurate word because that is how I know it would feel if I did put myself in that space every day, not only with receiving the messages, but I've had to adjust my content because at a certain point, I just couldn't I could not keep repeating that storyline. And that's actually something for anyone listening. I 
tell the whole story on my episode with Aubrey. It's titled, um, my best friend interviews me and I cry. And I kind of just talk about shifting gears because I just, I, after year four, I was like, I can't keep recalling my experiences in college. And that was tough for me, but and I knew I would let people down. They came for something. They wanted me to keep talking about it. They, maybe they're still in college and they're an athlete. So I've had to navigate that as well. Something though I want to share with you that I think you'll think is cool is I love my closest friends because I feel like we're all always trying to grow and we're very much on similar wavelengths of self-awareness and trying to be you know our best selves. And I had a conversation recently with one of my best friends where it was something along the lines of, first of all, one of us asks permission. Hey, are you available for a call? Like, I, I want to talk to you about something like pretty heavy. So it's asking permission, right? Not just FaceTiming someone hysterically crying, which is something I probably used to do and my friends used to do. Now it's the text of, hey, can you hold space for me right now? I need to call you. And then it's them saying, oh, yes, I can. Or maybe, no, I can't, but can I call you in a few hours? And would you like advice from me or for me just to listen? And then I can communicate yeah, no, I don't want you to say shit about this. I just need you to listen and nod your head. Or I can say, no, 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 no. I need advice. They have no idea what I'm doing. And I thought that exchange was just so healthy and so great because then you don't feel guilty going to your friends with your problems. And then you also feel confident if you're the friend giving advice because you know that they want that from you. Oh my God, I love this for so many reasons. So first of all, like honestly, mad props to you and your friends for this. This is that is truly a sign of very strong friendships and relationships. But what you all are role modeling for everyone is how to be proactive about it. You're asking for someone's needs. Hey, do you, do you want to vent or did you want to problem solve? What you're doing is before we dive into this conversation, before I'm investing in this, I am asking you to tell me what you need. And then it's helping me with my needs because my need is I really want to make sure that I'm helping you. I want my need is to feel like I'm the helper in this situation. And by asking you, you are also helping me with my need. There's the sort of symbiotic relationship there. And the proactivity, what that means is we're less likely than to violate a boundary and then have those festering feelings of resentment and anger and all that other gross stuff that we had talked about earlier. So mad props to you and your friends for, for doing that. You're already talking about asking for needs and that's a way of setting boundaries together. Thanks. I was definitely, I was definitely proud of us in that, in that instance. I remember the first time I ever read about emotional dumping, which is basically when you dump all of your emotions onto someone with no warning. And I read the Instagram post like, oh, I think I do this. I was like, I could be better at not doing that with people. That said, obviously I do have friends who, you know, they're not reading the self-help books. That's not where they are at mentally they, they don't do that. So how do you, or what's your advice for people who are trying to set boundaries or create healthy relationships with people that they love, friends, family, whoever, and they're just not getting it. Is that a matter of having to accept that you might just have to tolerate this if you want to continue the friendship? Is, is it a more serious conversation? What's the best way to go about friends, family who it's not computing and it never will? Yeah. Oh gosh. Self-awareness. If only we felt like everyone. If only everyone had it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the the funny thing too, is we all like in uh, one of our self-awareness classes that we run at COA, we actually ask folks how self-aware 
do you feel you are in comparison to the folks you spend the most time with? I got to tell you, Victoria, almost 100% of the time people say, oh, I'm definitely more self-aware than the people I spend time with. So there's a gap going on because if a lot of us are saying people need to be more self-aware, but then folks are reporting themselves as being highly self-aware, we got a self-awareness problem, y'all. So one thing I will say about self-awareness, one of the greatest ways, I would say quickest ways, most effective ways to gain self-awareness is ask for feedback from your friends, from your partners, from your family, from your coworkers. If you are wondering, hey, did that come off as rude? Hey, did that come off as considerate? If you're wondering, ask for that feedback. This happens all the time where I'm like, listen, I'm tripping about our conversation last week. And I just want to check in with you because I'm worried that I came across as selfish, as bitchy, as rude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me, did I come across that way? Like it could be as easy and real as that. And somebody might say, yeah, I did. You know, like my truest friends will tell me, yeah, you came across as, as kind of bitchy. But I also understand you're short on sleep right now. And I also love what, I mean, they're kind about it. But if you are wondering, ask for feedback from those folks. Otherwise, we're really never going to know how we might be impacting others. It's great advice. And it's freaking hard advice. There's nothing more cringy than when someone says, yeah, you did this thing and everyone felt some type of way. And you're like, that is so embarrassing. Like, I want to shrivel up into a ball and like hide in my room. And I never want to think about the fact that I did or I said that. So it's tough, but I, I think it's really great. And I would like to do some of those check-ins with, with people in my life, because I honestly feel like the, just the mental health journey, take it for whatever you think that means inherently does very much center around the eye. It's what do I need? It's how am I going to work on my anxiety? How am I not going to feel depressed? How am I going to create an environment that allows me to thrive? How am I at very, I, 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 and it's, I've never really kind of thought about that until this point is like, you actually can grow and get where you're trying to go. Well, first of all, we need people. We need other humans. Like to be lonely is, is very, is not great. And actually loneliness actually equates to smoking something like 13 or 15 cigarettes a day. Like it's very bad for you to feel lonely. And so I think as much as we feel like we have to kind of rewrite our whole life to fix our own mental health. A lot of the times it's kind of going hand in hand with the people around us who can then help us and support us. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am if it weren't for my best friends and family who met me where I was at when I was depressed or when I was anxious and supported me. I mean, my best friend, Aubrey knows nothing about sports, not an athlete. We went to the same college, but I had a time junior year where I felt so lonely And I was so, I was in such a dark place that I was like, I just need, I'm going to, I could like cry thinking about this. I was like, God, it hits. I was like, I need you to just come to my volleyball game and just sit in stands because I feel so alone. This is sorry. I don't know why this is hitting me. And I was like, I just need to be able to look at you and feel like I have someone there and that will like get me through it. Cause otherwise I have no idea I'm going to do this. And she came and she did that for me. And like, it's just an example of how you do need other people to help you. Now, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I got to wipe my tears. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you sharing that because here's the thing. Sometimes we just don't, we're not in a space where we believe in ourselves, where we have the self-confidence 
And it is very okay to then lean on others in that time. There's a saying that a lot of people use that I don't really love, which is it starts with you first. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to, because there are times where I'm not in the space and I don't have the confidence for it to start with me first. So, oh shit, if it's supposed to start with me and I'm not feeling great, panic ensues. So know that it actually doesn't have to start with you first and you can rely on others and ask for help for others. And here's the fun thing. Now, when your friends in the stand, we have somebody else who's our cheerleader that actually then does help us have conviction Mm -hmm. that we can do this, that we in fact can have this self-confidence. What you're highlighting in this idea of it though, is, you know, where to start with self-awareness, where to start with all of it. I'm a psychologist, Victoria. So really what I'm going to say is with your feelings. When we cannot sit with uncomfortable feelings, we do a ton of other things to avoid it, right? We do the distractions. Let me grab that drink. Let me take that edible. Let me eat this thing because it's so hard to sit with these tough feelings. And whenever anyone is wondering, like, I don't know what my needs are. Great. You're telling me to communicate my needs. I'm not sure who I need to set boundaries with. Schedule in 15 minutes where all you do is you sit with your feelings. Oh God, it's scary. It is scary. Hell yeah, it is. Because where do we learn this to do this? No, in fact, we learn how to run away from our feelings pretty damn well. There are, it's a billion dollar industry in how to run away from our feelings. People are mm-hmm. banking on the fact that we don't know how to sit with our tough feelings. It's so funny you say that because yesterday I was kind of trying to call myself on that exact thing. Every time I get in the car, I, the car is like my, I've got to call people. I've got to, I got to be FaceTiming someone. If this person doesn't answer, I've got my next list of who I'll call and someone will answer and we'll talk and we'll catch up. Or I need to listen to a podcast or I need to like send emails with Siri. And okay. First of all, driving a car, Victoria should not be a time you're doing anything other than like really focusing on driving, which is a huge thing I need to be way better at. And then secondly, I was like, why am I so opposed to driving for 20 minutes in silence? Why is that so hard for me? Because I do feel like I'm very in touch with my emotions. But when, then that, that could maybe be like the ego convincing me I'm in touch. So go do all the things. <laughs> go do all the things. Wait, I'm curious, Victoria, why is it so hard for you to drive for 20 minutes in silence? I don't know. I, I think I think I... I like to be in a go, go, go place. I like to accomplish. I like to do. I think I'm worried that if I stop, I will never start again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's real. I appreciate you sharing that because usually there is a, a worry behind that discomfort. And you know, it's so interesting. So at COA, where we teach these classes about being proactive with your mental health, one of the classes we talk about this is in resilience. Because so many times, we think about this definition of resilience as go, go, go. In order for me to overcome this challenge, I've just got to go for it and do this thing. Well, actually, hold up a sec. Because you're, are you going and doing this thing or are you running away from the discomfort? Because if you do, I got news for you. It's going to rear its ugly head again somewhere else in some other time. And then once I know what this worry is, then I can figure out what my needs are. Then I can figure out what the do is. But I, I will say, and this is this is me admitting it. One of my biggest ways of running away from tough feelings is is doing. I'm a doer, and when I say mm-hmm. I'm a doer, it's because often it's like, great, if I just keep pumping out 
the work that I'm doing, this doesn't allow me to sit in that silence. When I asked you that about driving, I was like, that's because I, I see you. I'm with you. I'm very similar yeah. in that way. And honestly, like I have been thinking a lot recently that I need to go back to therapy. Not that there's like any big issue in my life, but I don't really feel in touch with how I am feeling. And I don't know. It's, it's something I, that was what for the first thing that came to mind is like, I worry that if I stop, I'll never start again. And then I'll fall behind in my career and I can't fall behind, you know? So I think that's where it comes from, but I definitely need to do the deeper work. One last thing before we part from what, honestly, I should send you Venmo for this. Thank you for my therapy session. I honestly going into this, of course, and this is what everyone wants is they want a script. They want me to sit here and say, okay, if you have in-laws who won't leave you alone, what do you say? What do you do? Am I correct in thinking that there is no perfect script? And actually the most helpful thing was this conversation, allowing people to get to a place where they can like figure out what their personal script is. Or do you think it as is as simple as me giving you five scenarios and you listing me like five fill in the blank sentences? I'm kind of torn on what the actual answer is. Here's the thing. I can give you a script all day long. I got five I can pump out right now. But if you're not sure why you're setting that boundary, if you're not sure what it is that you're protecting, if you're not sure what it is that you're worried about, you're going to keep setting these boundaries over and over and over, and they're going to continue to be challenged. And it's going to be harder and harder to reassert them. So the script works great. Happy to say what we talked about earlier. No, I can't X because of Y. How can we Z? How can we connect? How can we work together at another time, whatever it is, there are great scripts, but I also, I want to, I want to encourage folks to think about the idea here that if we don't know our needs, we're just going to be constantly adjusting our boundaries and adjusting and adjusting without ever really knowing what we're asking for. I completely agree. Thank you so much for everything today. We here at RealPod are so lucky and so grateful that we are an hour of time you chose to spend. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love spending time with you. Love spending time with your community. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.